0: So, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to the Book of Revelation, chapter number seventeen. Last week, um, we took a little break, started a new series. Um, I almost preached the second part of that series on Sunday, but the Lord just kept wanting me to go to the cross. I mean, I was going to the cross, just not the way He was wanting me to go to the cross. And so, um, that's all right. We'll get back to that eventually. But as I begin tonight, I'd like to read you a quote by um, old missionary. I heard today, really bless you I believe, uh, has nothing to do with what we're going to preach tonight, but certainly it does I guess. Uh, old preacher by the name of C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was an old missionary and um, he said this, he said, Let us not glide through the world and slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets news of our departure from the field of battle. Thank the Lord for that. And I I guarantee you that he made that impact. He made a very serious impact. And uh, I got to hear a lot of things today about that. And I've read a lot of books. But, you know, you can't always account books. I can't. I I I can't always remember them in my mind. (coughs) But that should be our goal, don't you think? Amen. It should be our goal um, to make that big of an impact and that big of a difference in a world of perversion and wickedness. And uh, I believe tonight this should be our thirty seventh message in the Book of Revelation. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. The Lord's it's helped us, and I believe we got some more in us. And uh, I know we got another one in this chapter because um, we're going to do a part one and part two in this. Um, because if we don't, then you would hate me. I promise you, you'd hate me. I, you'd hate me if I preached this whole 18, 18 verses um, in one chapter. I mean, one time, you, you'd probably hate it. <clears throat> but um, So I'm not going to do that to you. I, I might preach short tonight. But I'm going to get through the first six verses, and then we're going to try to cover the, the last 12 on the, on the next go around. Um, let's ask the Lord to help us, and, and then we'll read our scripture tonight. Everybody all right? Amen. Yeah, man, I'm thankful um for the lord and how he's helped us and so let's pray dear god in heaven we love you we praise you we thank you for all that you do we ask you dear god in the name of jesus um that you would silence our hearts silence our minds tonight silence our mouths lord to hear the preaching of the word or that we would be obedient to you i pray god that in every way we would and lord that you would give us liberty where it's needed god we need it now and we need it now more than ever Pray, God, that you would descend the Spirit of God. You said where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. Lord, I do believe that tonight. And, Lord, I know that you can help us, Lord, in your time. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's read our scripture tonight. Revelation chapter number 17, verse 1. The Bible says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me. "...saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgments of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth hath committed fornication, and in inhabitants of the earth have made, been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away into the spirit, in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns." The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration." Lord, bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll tell you this before we do begin tonight that um, nothing's going to bother me while I'm preaching tonight, okay? Everything's okay, all right? We're going to preach the word of God straight and true, okay? So if you won't let it bother you, I won't let it bother me, okay? Um, And so I just want you to know tonight that when we get into this book, we're seeing something very clearly happen. that is very, very prominent to the latter days of tribulation, but not only the latter days of tribulation, but it's already begun. It's something that's working uh, very seriously, and we were able to look um, the week before last, and we were able to see um, at the end of it all, we were able to see very clearly a prominent view of what is going to take place in the latter times of the tribulation. We looked at the end part of chapter number 16 and we got to see there as Jesus judged the earth of all of its sin and uh, and wickedness and all the things which take place within it. And um, then we were able to see Christ judge that sin. We were able to see Him judge that wickedness in the battle of Armageddon, right? And so that's what it was. And and, uh, we were able to see how He judged those which came after Israel in that time and all of those things which took place there. And then as we preached that two-part there, chapter 16, and we preached on the two parts of the intensified wrath of God. It was the impending wrath of God in chapter number 15 at the, begin, at the ending, and then it was the intensified wrath of God throughout chapter number 16. And we looked and saw that the last vial judged Babylon directly. The Bible says... And the great city was divided into three parts, and then the city of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away. And so in that time, God is going to judge the great Babylon in that time. And we understand that. And as we look into this, we must keep in mind that this is not in order. So, as we've been coming throughout the, the whole book of the Revelation, we've seen many times in many different chapters where there have been uh, parenthet- parenthetis, uh I'm trying to think of that word, uh, a parenthetical um, uh, times, a pause, if you will, where God will deal directly with something and then he'll come to the end of it at Armageddon and then he'll go back and tell us of that time. So, for instance, he gives us the time where at the end of chapter number 9, he deals directly with Israel from chapter 10 to chapter number 12, and then at the end of chapter number 13 is at Armageddon again. And so he gives us those times, so he takes us all the way to the end, and then he said, let's rewind just a little bit. I want to show you more in depth of what took place. And then we see that exact same thing here. So this is something we've just ended in chapter 16 at the end of Armageddon, right? So everything's over at that point of time. But then Christ um, gives us something that's going to take place prior to that. And he says, let's rewind a little bit and look back at what's taking place. And so in these two next chapters, he deals directly with Babylon. And not just Babylon as a place, but Babylon as a movement. And so I would like to look into that in just the next few weeks. But this is one of those parenthetical passages. And we must also keep in mind that just like the the whole rest of the book of Revelation, this chapter is too filled with a lot of symbolism. It's filled with a lot of symbolism. For instance, remember the woman of chapter 12? Remember that woman there? That was Israel. It was Israel in chapter twelve. It was a it was a symbolic uh, view of something, and God wanted to use a woman to describe her, travailing with child. And then we see here a woman as well, which is described to be a mystery, uh, Babylon the Great, and the mother of harlots, in verse five, and the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. As she's described in verse 2 as the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So is there literally a woman with that name? Or a woman that... Is there a woman so large that she sits upon many waters and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her? No, no. She is said to be a whore, right? And she is said to be a whore and we see that. So what is this talking about? It's a biblical reference and we understand that. And so... Who is this speaking of? And I'd like to go back and use what we know in a hermeneutics style of looking at Scripture, which is the only right way to divide Scripture uh, appropriately and uh, to rightly divide it as the Scripture is told. um, We are to use the first mention principle. So if we use the first mention principle, we're going to go back to the first mention of the word, which is in Scripture, and we're going to figure out what it meant then, and that's what it means now. It's simple as that. And so there's very few times when that's not the case. And I want you to know that the word whore in the Bible is used 15 times in your King James Bible. The word whoring is used 18 times in the Bible. The word whores is used two times. And that's not... a Listen... It's a bad word. It's a derogatory word when it comes to the scripture too. And so understand me that I'm not saying something uh, that we ought to teach our children not to say because it is a scriptural word. Uh, It's the same word as ass. We teach our children not to say that word, but it means donkey uh, if you use it in the right term. And so when we look at this, when we're using it in the right term, it means what it says and says what it means. There's no other way to look at it. And so then the word whoredom is used 22 times in the King James Bible. And so the first mention of this is in the book of Genesis in chapter number 38 and verse number 24. We know that passage. We preach through that passage. And we preach through that passage as a fall of Judah, right? Remember when Judah, it's, it's, it's one of them also a parenthetical passages. which so it seems like it's a pause in the movement of the life of Joseph. But then it pauses and said, well, here's Judah. I preached it as a a point to show righteousness and unrighteousness. As Christ gave us that view as that this is the righteous brother Joseph and this is the unrighteous brother Judah. And God gave us that view, I believe, in that. But this is what it says. And it came to pass after three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Thy daughter-in-law, I have played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. Remember that reaction by Judah, boy. And when he was the one that was in the wrong. But we understand the fact there. And we understand that after to consume all this together. And I'm going to take a long time in the intro because I'm not going to take a long time in the message. I don't believe. I'll take a long time in the first point. The next two points ain't going to take long. And so when it comes to that and we're looking at those things, we we see that and we know the context of the scripture there is Judah has, uh, you know, there's been two boys dead, right? There's two dead already. And Judah said, I ain't giving you my other boy. There's Sheila. He's the only one left, right? He's the only one left. I mean, um, there's already been two that's died because they were disobedient to the Lord. They didn't keep the line of Judah going forward. And so Judah is out on the street one day and he's going to a place he ought not be in the first place with a friend he ought not be around. And he goes there and when he gets there he sees this woman that's got a veil over her face and she's dressed like a harlot and he decides that he's going to lay with her and he impregnates her and then twins come forth from her and from those twins God in his mercy still sends the line through. Amen for that. And so, but, but, but she's used as the word, she, she's committed whoredom. She's committed whoredom. Now you tell me, was Judah her husband? No. Judah was not her husband. He was not her husband. So she's messing with something that ain't hers. Is that right? Exodus chapter 34 verse 15 through 16 gives us an idea of a similar word which is used. Verse 15, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go whoring after their gods. Do sacrifice unto their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. Thou take of thy daughters, and thy sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a whoring after their gods. So, were they worshipping their god? No. The god that they were worshipping wasn't theirs. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7, And they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils, after whom they go a whoring. This shall be a statute forever unto them throughout generations. And we know this is talking about the children of Israel. They got one God. It's already been placed that they got one God in Exodus chapter number 20. You shall not worship any other gods. No graven images. Don't put any idols in front of me. Because I'm your God. And you're my people. And I'm going to keep that covenant with Abraham from the beginning because you're my God. I'm your God, and you're my people. And so they they were they were going after something that weren't theirs. You're right. You're right. Leviticus 20 verse 5, the Bible says, "Then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and will cut him off and all that go a whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. Molech weren't their gods, but they would sure enough sacrificed their babies on the hands of Molech." And so it says, and the soul that turneth after such as have a familiar spirit, and after wizards to go a-whoring after them. I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. Those weren't their gods. We can go on and on about this. the Bible states it many times, as I mentioned, but the Bible stays the same. And it deals with idolatrous religions. It deals with something that is an idol to that person. It's something that holds a higher stand than God to that person. And worshiping and serving or giving love to something that is not right and not yours. That's Babylonianism. That's Babylonianism. You look back to Daniel chapter 3 and see if they didn't have another God set up there. They did. Then another God set up there. It was 12 cubits high and 7 cubits wide. It was a big God. But it wasn't their God. But the Hebrews said, I'll not bow to that God. Because my God shall deliver me. But if not, if he don't, then praise the Lord, that's okay too. They said, I'm not bowing. I'm, I, you, you can put the hat on me all you want to. I, you can make me look like a Babylonian all you want to. You can you can give me Babylonian names. You can take my Hebrew names from me. My name. Uh, anybody know the first the actual three names of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Azariah, Meshach, and Azariah. Uh, Let's see. I done said it wrong too. What? Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah. That's who they were. Hannah and Amisha, and that's They said that's my Hebrew names. You can give me a, you can give me, you can give me a Babylonian name all you want to. You can put Babylonian hose on me. You can put a Babylonian coat on me. You can even put me in a Babylonian fire, but I will not bow to that Babylonian god because I'm not a Babylonian, and I'm not bowing to that god. And so, so, so we know the most familiar account according to Scripture is that of Hosea and Gomer. Hosea being a picture of Christ and His wonderful grace and mercy to all of us. And then Gomer, of course. Not necessarily. That isn't a picture to us directly. But Gomer is a picture of Israel. And Gomer is a picture of Israel as she went a-whoring away from her husbandman. He bought her back, though. Amen. But we, when we see this picture in Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 1, it tells us she's a great whore who sitteth upon many waters. The waters being according to Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 15. Those waters are people. and Those waters are tongues. And those waters are multitudes and nations. And that's what they are. And so if Babylonianism is what? It's a religion. It's a religious system. It's a system... That is against the God of nature. It's a system that started in Bible in Genesis chapter 11. When they were doing what? Building something to God. Trying to make themselves gods. They were putting idols and they were doing all those things. And, I, and so I'm telling you is that we know firsthand that this is talking about A religious system, a church. It's talking about a church. It's talking about a people that will gather under one leader. So God judges this religious system straight to the core. And in this chapter, we'll see her rising to her glory, chapter 17. But in the next chapter, we'll see her fall into hell. And so I'm going to preach that thought. We're going to preach the first part, and I'm going to preach the rise. Of the Babylon the Great. The Rise of Babylon the Great. Next week I'll preach on, or the next week when I get into this, preach on the rise of Babylon the Great, part two. And then we'll preach the fall of Babylon the Great. Lord willing, that's how we hope to do it. I want you to notice three points tonight. I'll be done, it's 8.35, and I'll be done quickly. I've already been preaching for 19 minutes, and I'm preaching you the first point. That, that's not normal for me, y'all agree with that. And so I want you to notice number one, I want you to notice the details of this woman. Verse 1 through 4 gives those details. We'll read them as we go. We're told of a few things concerning this harlot. Remember, a harlot does things for profit and a harlot does things for pleasure, right? For her own. And I'd like to look into a few of these verses here just quickly and I'll spend the most of my time in this one point. I want you to notice number one. I want you to notice her position in this system. The Bible says that she is a great whore that sitteth upon many waters. We don't have to use strongs. We don't have to use the 1828 dictionary to define this. But rather the Bible gives us a clear definition as we've already mentioned in verse number 15 of who these waters are. These waters are people and nations and tongues and multitudes. And so since Babel was first judged in Genesis chapter number 11, when God come together and God scattered the people and he confounded the languages, uh, they, they, there have been many religions from Christianity to Judaism to Hinduism uh, um, to, to all of these things, all these religions that go throughout this world. you know there's hundreds of religions? Yet yeah, when this time comes, there will be under one religious system. There are many waters, and she's the leader of them. But hang tight, preacher. She's, she's not really a she. She's a system. Hang tight for just a moment. Uh, yeah, they'll be under one person, one leader. Competition to win people over will not be a thing because she'll have all the members. Right? She'll have all the members of the church. There'll be one church. And so Christianity is proclaimed to be religion. However, it's, not, it's the only one that's faith-based, by the way. And so it's not a religion necessarily. But what we have is something that's based on faith. It's faith. It's faith. It's faith. That's what we live by, right? Faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When we had to write exemptions to, be, uh, to, to not get the vaccination for COVID, um, when we had to do that, we didn't have what the Catholic Church has to stand upon. You know what they have? The Catholic Church. You know what we have? The Bible. That's all we have. We have the Bible. We, we don't have a religion to stand upon. We have faith to stand upon. And I didn't realize I had that much stuff in the back of my Bible. Maybe I need to clean it out a little bit. But we have religion. We don't have religion, but we have faith to base our life upon. Every day we base our life upon faith. Not on what the Catholic Church says, uh, but on not what the Baptist Church says, but what the Bible says. That's what we have our life to base upon. You can't say we're a religion because we're not. We will be, one, we'll be the only one gone at this time. Not the Baptist, the Christians. Amen. The ones who are living by faith is what I'm trying to say. Right. Okay, and so she's standing on many waters. Everybody's under and living by her way. She. That's her position in this system. Secondly, I want you to notice her persuasion in this system. The Bible says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so a relationship is made with the world leaders and and this religion. A relationship is made with this religion and the world leaders. We must take to note the, the tense of, this, of the phrases in this verse too. Because the Bible says very clearly, have committed fornication, have been made drunk with the wine of our fornication. Right? So, so this isn't something that springs up in the time of the seven year tribulation period. Uh, however, I believe it is already at work. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, for the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. It doeth already work. I'm not saying, he's not here, but I believe that there's been an Antichrist and ever seen. Because the Bible, now listen, here's the facts, friend. I'll tell you this much. Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, and he's not omnipotent. He does not know anything until he finds them out. He's not, omni, he's not omniscient. He can't be everywhere at one time. He's not omnipresent. I'm, excuse me, he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at one time. He's not omnipotent. He's not all powerful. I'm telling you something, friend, is that he's working one way or the other in in this life. And this is something that is working now. But just a side note, fornication and alcohol are always working together too. You see where it's going there? It says committed fornication. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. It's working together. This, This is not of God. He said, I forgot. Look at Hosea's life. I mean, you can look at Hosea's life. We could go all the way back to the book of Hosea and find very clearly there that it works just perfectly for a whore. It works just perfectly for that. And I say that very loosely. I'm not talking about what you think, what everybody thinks by that, but somebody who commits uh, uh, something against God and has something that's not even theirs and worships that. Hosea chapter 4, verse 11 him and wine and new wine take away thy heart. It's pretty easy to understand that and it works together. Go back to Genesis 19 and see if it don't work together. right? When, go, back, go back there and look at Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his two daughters and see if it don't work together because they got their daddy drunk and then committed fornication with him and then just to keep the seed going. I'm telling you something, friend. It's not of God. It's, it's, it's everything that has to do with the Lord. And the religious system will certainly be persuasive in a way. Uh, and many leaders today proclaim uh, Christianity, but only for the sake of the people. Every single, every single president of the United States uh, have proclaimed Christianity from Barack Obama all the way up. But they ain't none of them lived Christianity. They proclaim Christianity from a Catholic pul- pulpit, right? I'm just telling you God's honest truth. And that's not a Christian. That's not a Christian. I prayed to the Lord above that Trump got saved, but he's going to have to show me something else before I believe it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I'm just telling you God's honest truth. Amen. I mean, we can, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can proclaim Christianity all day long and say, I'm born again Christian, but then when the next ten words come out of your mouth, are cuss words, you're not a Christian. Amen. You're, you surely ain't showing you're Christian. I understand we make mistakes, and, and some do much worse than I do, and you do. And I do probably more than you do in some areas. But I'm just telling you God's honest truth. All the way from Kennedy to now have proclaimed to be Christians, but I haven't seen much Christian work been done. I, I, I'm just telling you the God's honest truth is that in this day they will proclaim uh, uh, I'm going to use this word loosely Christianity. All the Christians will be gone. But they're going to proclaim that to get their self agenda lifted up. They'll be persuasive. And don't, is that not how they want our hearts over now? By being Persuasive. The first thing, One of the first things that Barack Obama said when he was in office is, I'm a born-again Christian, yet we find out two years later he's a Muslim. Am I right or am I right? And I'm just telling you God's honest truth is that they can proclaim it all day long to get the agenda and pull the people in, but until they show it, we can claim the name all day but remain the same in life. And that's what they're going to do in this day. You see what it's saying here? It says, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and have the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. They have been so persuasive to get them in somehow or another. I can't tell you exactly how it's working, but they're doing it. The kings of the earth are going to this religion. Kings of the earth. Amen. I'm not preaching politics. Politics is for next time. Chapter 18. You tell me that doesn't deal with politics. Amen. The reason, we don't, the reason Christians aren't in politics nowadays is because pulpits aren't in politi- politics. <clears throat> Amen. Her persuasion in this system. I want you to notice thirdly, her partner in this system. The Bible says, So he carried me away into the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. John has heard of her thus far. He's heard of her, but he hasn't seen her. I have not seen what's going on yet. Up to this point, John does not know who this woman is. And even here he doesn't. Because he doesn't describe the woman. He describes the beast under the woman. And so, 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 verse 3 gives us no other details but insight of what's going on here. However, when John looks and he sees, she isn't in uh, some royal, luxurious place, but she's in the wilderness. Now, this word deals with desolation, it deals with a solitary place. Uh, and remember, she's, she's rising to her fame now. She, she, she's, she's just sticking her toes in the water. She's not become manifest yet. Right? And, but, so there's that look on it. That, that's, that's a look I just I just wrote down. I think I think might be right here, honestly. I didn't read nobody said that. But then it, it, I, there is the other view of it that this is considering from a spiritual side of view. When John looks at her, she's in a wilderness. When John looks at her, she is in a wilderness, a desolate place, a dry place, a solitary place, when John looks at it from a spiritual point of view. And, I, and that, that's, that's that's a very good look too because she's abhorrent. She's wicked. She's filthy. She's absolutely nothing. But when he looks, he first sees the details of the beast. He doesn't see the woman. Look with me. It's a scarlet-colored beast, right? So it says, and a woman. Uh, excuse me. So he carried me away in the wilderness. I saw a woman set up on a scarlet covered, colored beast. I, I can't tell you what that is exactly, but maybe it's a mockery. Maybe it's a mockery of Christ. I can't. I can't. I can't say that for surety, but maybe it is. Maybe. Maybe it's that. Okay. Names of blasphemy and deals with the names of blasphemy. Blasphemy is anything. That, blasphemy is only things which go against God. Blasphemy cannot be anything else. It's only things that go against God in context. So, so things against God is striving to take the glory from God. It's all of those things. That's what this beast is doing. And then it says it had seven heads and ten horns. Now that's a big deal. We need to pause for a second. That's a big deal. Now now that we've, we, we've heard that before, right? We've heard that. We, we read that back in 12. We read that back in 12 when when, when the beast is described there and in 12 and verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. Chapter 13 verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. And upon his head's the name of blasphemy. We must understand that time horns or any time horns or heads or, or crowns or any of those things is ever mentioned, it's dealing with power, it's dealing with prominence, prestige, it's dealing with a higher anarchy, it's dealing with that sort of stuff. And so we have to look at this and see this. And so in chapter twelve, according to context, we find that he's in rebellion against God. So we have to look at that, right? He's a rebellion against who come out with him? Who come out with him when he when he left from heaven? angelic beings, powers. There's 24 of them represented. So, so, so I believe there's, a, there's, there's that, and he's been cast to the earth. I personally believe the numbers there are, are described ranks of angelic powers and, um, that, that are coming to the earth with him. Revelation chapter 13, he is now on the earth. He's rising up out of the water, and he's making headway in, in the earth. And now he's pulling human leaders because now the crowns are on his horns. See the difference there? I never pointed that out because I never understood it. But I've really had to study for about 15 weeks on chapter 17. And so, so there's a difference. And I'm, so I'm convinced about that. And I believe the Bible gives us the insight. So, so the horns are, uh, the, the crowns are now on the horns. And so there's a difference in that. And now he's using the humans as his leaders in this life. Okay? And so, keep in mind, this is all happening within a seven-seven year period of time. And so, so on the earth, he has human leaders that work alongside. And then, we come to Revelation chapter seventeen, where well, there's no crowns mentioned. I believe personally, that deals with more of a political system is not mentioned either. But also, I believe we can look at it in a different way. And the reason I use these terms also is we don't see the exact ranking here. And the reason I use these terms is because horns and heads and crowns, they all speak of power, they all speak of dominion, they all speak of leadership. And then if we were to look back at what Daniel had to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we'd find in Daniel chapter number 2 that there is something, a beast, that has ten toes. Imagine that. He has ten toes. And those ten toes there are the same representative. Read it, Daniel chapter 2. It's a long chapter. Those same toes in Daniel chapter 2 represent the ten crowns in chapter 12 and 13. But then as we see those ten toes and the ten crowns in chapter 12 and verse 13, and the, I mean chapter 12 and verse, I mean chapter 13, uh, are the same as the ten toes. There. And then we see the ten horns. They're the same as well. They represent the ten toes. Where's this going? I don't know exactly, but I'll tell you what I know and what I believe is they represent ten kingdoms which are going to come out of the revised Roman Empire. There have been four Gentiles empires that have have raised up. I cannot remember them all. There have been the, the... I'm trying to remember the Medes, the Persians, the Babylonians. the 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 Babylonians was the first one. The Medes and the Persians. Then there was one other. Then there's the Roman Empire, and then there is the revised. What is it? No, that's that's kings. That's kings. That's the seven. Yes, and then then there is the there's the the five the, the five, and then. There will be the revised empire, and that will be the revised Roman empire. And there they are. And, and however, we, 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 we do not have time to go through that at all just yet, but we'll get to it, I promise, next week. But we'll see more. And so, so we see that. We see the partner in the system. This is clearly the Antichrist. That's who it is. It's clearly who it is. It's who she's riding upon. Makes a big sense, doesn't it? Now what is her? Her is a religious system. Who brings that religious system in? The Antichrist, you've got it, you've got it. He's the one who brings it into manifest. He's the one who makes it known to all the world. And then we see her power in this system. Verse four, we've got a hurry. The Bible says, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Now I'm going to say something to you in just a second that you might not disagree with, but you just love me anyways, and I love you. I promise you something. I don't believe it is the Roman Catholic Church. I believe that it is. I'll tell you why many have stated this to be the Roman Catholic Church. Because of the description of this woman here. That's the only verse in the whole Bible that they can get it to be the Roman Catholic Church. Now we understand we got the seven hills but that's not dealing exactly with this religion either so we have to understand that. And so when we come to this it does give good description. There is a 100% great description of how this could be uh, the Papal See, the Papal See, the the popes. It could be those things. All of it line up from the purple and scarlet color because they all from 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 early years in, in Pope John II there was um, they they were demanded to wear the purple and scarlet robes. They're the only ones that can wear the purple and scarlet robes there is the decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. They have to wear the decks, uh, the, the the stones and pearls and they have to wear that on their necks. Only the papacy and the priest and the popes are able to wear that directly. And then there is the um, uh, golden cup. There is the golden cup which sits on the middle of the table and at one point of time only the pope could drink out of that cup. I mean only, not the pope, but the priest and the pope could drink out of that cup. Now it is passed around to everybody for everybody to drink out of the same golden cup. i MRI right? and so when we're seeing that in this we could understand how it could be the the Roman Empire uh, and, and they use the description of the woman to be that however I don't believe directly and dogmatically we could say that it is the Catholic Church I believe it could be okay I understand that I understand that but I don't believe that it could be simply because when we look at that it doesn't give us a good description of it from but 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 it, it, which it does give us a good description of it, the jewels from the scarlet and all of that, but why do I believe that it's not? Well, this is a one-world religion, right? We've already addressed that, right? It's a one-world religion. Will every man bow and become a Catholic? I don't believe we could say that. I don't believe we could say that. I just, I just don't. I don't believe so. I believe this is a brand new thing. I believe that the, holy, the, the, the unholy union uh, of the three, the devil, the, the antichrist, and the false prophet, I believe they have worked this up, and they have come up with this and worked it up together. Every world religion in one, from Catholic to Presbyterians to the Mormons to the JWs to the Muslim, and yes, even baptist all will be in one, one world religion. One world religion, one world church, one world all of those things. And I tell you, beloved, we must guard ourselves today because it's already working. It's already working. Be careful, be careful. The details of this woman, the defilement of this woman. Verse 4 and 5, I'm done almost. Okay, I promise. This is number 2, and we're done after number (laughs) 3. We'll be done quickly, I promise. The Bible says, and her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And Upon her forehead was a name written: mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and um, abominations of the earth. So this religion's wicked. This religion is perverse. It's against all things that are pertaining to God. Right? Well, you're dealing with the defilement of this woman today in the world we live in. Let's be honest; it's pretty easy to identify a false church, wouldn't you agree? If we're right with the Bible, it's pretty easy to identify a false church. The Lord has laid things out perfectly in his word of what a church is and how a church ought to be. And so when this time comes, it's described as a mystery, however, because mystery, Babylon the Great, and so but her abominations or fornications describe her to us perfectly. How she works perfectly. Her her abominations and her filthiness and her all of those things, fornication, she's defiled. She's defiled. I mean, she she loves who she is and what she does. I mean, she has been marked with a name, and harlot, harlots mark themselves uh, and to reveal the desire to, to do to those uh, who, 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 who are looking, right? That's what harlots do. They, they, they go out and they, they open themselves up to show that they're willing, and they're open, if you will, for, I'm just trying not to be ugly. But she is the mother of all harlots. She's And she's the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth and the Babylon. Uh, the Babylonian system uh, of religion is almost as old as time. I mean, it takes us all the way back to Babel. Um, in Genesis chapter number 11, and it gave birth to all the false religions uh, and all the sources of power instead of the eternal God of heaven. Uh, it gave all those views when God divided the tongues and God divided the people and, and turned everybody against the God. God of heaven and, and this lady stands front and center uh, of all the godless uh, religion uh, promotes in this day and this hour uh, and God judged them the first time and he'll judge them again uh, and the false religion in this world will be judged there defiled uh, in the face of God and religion without the Lord Jesus Christ is just a waste of time she's defiled and I want you to notice the drunkenness of this woman Verse 6, the Bible says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. John sees this harlot, same harlot, this religion, right? This is a religious system. They're not after the, they're not, Lord, forgive me for saying this, but they're not after the religion of Baal. They're not after the saints of Baal. They're not after the saints of any of the rest of them. They're after the saints of Jesus. The martyrs of Jesus. She's drunk with the blood of the saints. She's filled herself with the innocent blood of the redeemed of Christ. Uh, the wicked system of religion have brought about the death of millions of Christians throughout all of the centuries. It, ha- it has brought the religion has brought the death uh, of all of the, those from the jealousy of Cain uh, toward Abel uh, um, to the hatred of Jezebel as he killed uh, Naaman. As uh, from all of those uh, as they come down through there, uh, and as we see all of them, Naboth, not Naaman. Excuse me. I'm um, Jezebel to all the prophets. Uh, um, to Herod and Pilate as they looked upon Jesus. I'm uh, um, to the Jews that looked upon Jesus and said, "Now him, uh, crucify him, crucify him." Uh, and those who ex- executed the apostles uh, in the early days, all the way up from Nero uh, uh, to Agrippa, and all the way down through the generations uh, from all the countless early Christians uh, who died in the persecutions. of the hands of the dark ages, uh, um, to all the ones who went to Rome and died at the hands of Rome, uh, um, to all those who will be martyred in the midst of the tribulation, uh, and all this death uh, and suffering will be laid to her account, uh, and God, God sees it, and God wants to do something about it, uh, and he said uh, very clearly there uh, in verse number um. Let's see verse number 19 verse number uh um I'm trying to it says he remembered uh, let's see verse 19 the great city was divided in three parts and and the city of the nations fell great babylon came uh, in remembrance before god uh, um to give unto her the cup of the wine of the of uh, uh, fiercen- uh, uh, fierceness of his wrath uh, and he's saying uh, hey i see it all i see all the devastation i see all the uh, um dying Um, for uh, the death of me and I'm going to revenge it fourfold. I'm going to revenge it tenfold uh, and I will wipe them off the face of the earth uh, and I'm telling you all of the death and suffering will be laid uh, to this religion's account. God will judge the harlot for the death she's caused and pleasure it has brought her and it has happened time and time and time again where Christians have been slaughtered for centuries on end. Little history lessons: The Paulicans of the seventh century held the sola scriptural view. Uh, they held that it was the word of God alone uh, and only the word of God. And the Roman Catholic Church of sixty nine six hundred ninety A.D. Uh, killed more than a hundred thousand of them. There's the Abenigies, uh, Abenigies. Uh, I can't say exactly what. Aborigines—that might be a better word for it. The Abor—no, uh, it's not the Aborigines. It don't have an R in it. But, but, but the Aborigines from Albi—they're from Albi, from France. Uh, um, they refused to baptize babies. Uh, they refused to bow at the Peppelsy. Uh, um, they refused to do all that. They've refused to take salvation um, faith away from salvation. They said it's salvation through faith uh, and faith alone. Uh, and the Roman Church killed forty thousand of them. There's the Waldenese uh, of the 12th century which were killed by the Roman church for refusing to bow to the popes and, popes and the priests. Uh, it's Bloody Mary, friend. It is Bloody Mary. And I'm telling you, that's all it's ever been. Uh, from the first translation of the King James Bible, they uh, dug up the bones and thanked him uh, for translating the King James Bible by burning his bones after he died. John Wycliffe. Uh, they've done it time and time and time again. Uh, do I think this might be a leader of the system? Absolutely Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely I believe the Roman Catholic Church could 100% lead them right on into tribulation just as they are but I'm telling you something Bloody Mary is what some call it and in history from England to France to Spain and in all of Europe it is stained with the blood of Christians killed by the Roman Catholic Church it's stained friend and I'm telling you this one world religion will be the last one Millions uh, will die as the harlot takes this drunken binge uh, upon herself. Uh, and as John looked, he said he wondered. He wondered uh, with great admiration. He wondered with great admiration. I'll tell you the God's honest truth, friend. I've been there, I've seen Scotland, I've seen the bloody streets of Scotland. As I went to the, uh, uh, the place of Patrick Henry, as he, uh, Patrick Hamilton as he died at the stake of the Catholic Church. From John Knox dying at the stake of the Catholic Church in St. Andrew, Scotland. I've been there. I've seen the place on the ground. And all I'm telling you is that God's honest truth. One day, God will say, that's enough. Amen. I've had enough with it and I'm fed up with it. And he'll come and that will be the last one that, that religion ever kills. And they'll be held accountable for it. And they will go to hell. And they'll go and burn in the lake of fire for the rest of their life. For the rest of time. With blood of Christians on their breath. I'm telling you. The Bible says, yea, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. The Bible says that. Friend, I'm telling you, it's going to get worse. It's gonna, this church is building... And listen, I never said it's the Roman Catholic Church. I don't believe that it is. But I believe that it has had a lot to do with it all the way up through the years. And as I studied this passage, I was reminded of the deception of many which are in those churches, which are in all the wicked churches today. There are a lot of folks who have been deceived by religion. They're trusting in a system of religion rather than a redeeming Savior. And God despises a former religion that denies his power and his sacrifices. Millions, millions will one day find that religion wasn't all they needed to get to heaven. Thankful I'm not just religious. I'm born again. And This right here is the rise of great Babylon. One day it's coming. Thankful I'll be gone. Amen stand to your feet tonight. We'll close in a word of prayer. If you got any questions, make sure you ask those. Dear God in heaven, we love you. Thank you for this time of preaching. Lord, thank you for the liberty. I pray God, Lord, that we've learned something tonight. We've been able to walk out of here, Lord. Um, I know I will be able to, and it's been good to be in God's house. Lord, help us to stand when the world's on fire. Lord, help us God to go and and tell the gospel to all creatures. Lord, help us not to glide through this world and slip quietly into heaven. Lord, help us to blow the trumpet, gospel trumpet, loud and long for your name. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, not just do it by by just speech, Lord. Lord, let us do it by our daily walk. Help us to tell others about you, Lord, that they don't have to deal with this situation, Lord, because I understand it could be in the next seven years. When this happens. Lord, help us, God. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Keep everybody safe on the route home. We love you. In Jesus' name.